Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Helen Stenbeck. And this is Jessie Too. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Hi everyone, how's it going Jessie? Yeah, it's good. Uh, windy day here in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Winds all around where we are as well. Do, why do we always start with talking about the weather? Fuck. Yeah, because that's such a white thing to do, isn't it? Is it? What do you mean? <laughs> I was just watching a TED talk by Chimamanda, the book that I've just yep. finished. So I looked it up mm. and I was just wondering if there's any actually Chinese information about her. Then there's actually a yeah. TED talk that's with Chinese subtitle of her talking about that we shouldn't listen, in, listen to one single story. She says she grew up, very early on, she grew up um, reading white authors' ch- children's book and they always yeah. talk about weather. <laughs> very. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. So, so talking about the weather is a white thing. I don't know. I, 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 know, I know very early on it's actually quite a British thing. Because that's, to talk about the weather. To talk about weather because that's the idea that I got from reading Pygmalion, you know, the, uh, My yeah. Fair Lady. You know, how they have yeah. to, like, Truman Capote. talk about the weather in the small talk and all that. There must be some sort of PhD out there who has, someone who has interpreted this this way of yes. just le- fall, falling back on the weather mm. as a way, as a means to, like, communicate with someone. But, like, you and I, we're not strangers, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's small talk around strangers who That's lean true. over to the weather. That's true. Yeah, but we don't see each other that often anymore. Yeah, yeah, we don't, yeah. Okay, so do you want to start with any cultural pieces of artifacts you have consumed this week? Oh, yeah, I finished the book uh, Half mm-hmm. of a Yellow Sun that I've just mentioned by um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. She's an mm-hmm. amazing, amazing writer. So it's a book about the um, civil war in Nigeria in the late 60s to early 70s. And it's the story surrounds a couple of people like the university professor and his partner, their relationship and also their houseboy. I didn't really think about much of this because I know there's always like a class assistant in any society. But it is it is also quite interesting to me that when the war happened, you know, like the master still looked after the houseboy as one of their own, like as one of their mm-hmm. own family. The story kind of ended, no, it ended a 100% satisfactory way for me, I think, because the story ended with one of the very brave female character that is still missing. Right. Yeah, so she mm. went on to, because if anyone, I don't know, anyone who's interested about the story, they can all look up the Nigerian civil war. <clears throat> so... Mm. There's more than like 2 million civilians die from famine and also the food blockade usually happens of what happened during the war. And it's kind of really sad because, I don't know, the history repeats itself every like 10 years. Like the yeah. war just repeats itself and people don't learn from history. Yeah, but it, it is a great book. Yeah, I think. Right. Yeah, what about you? Book-wise, I'm still, I started, I, I think I finished through two or three books last time we spoke mm-hmm. and I have I've seen more films than read books this week so I'm midway through Garth Greenwell's 
what belongs to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get through everything that he has ever written. Garth Greenwell is just the most beautiful writer in the world. I really mean that. I mean, at least today, this is what I think. Um, he writes about desire so well. Mm-hmm. It's just very tender. I love the tender way in which he approaches longing and yearning and human desire. Mm-hmm. It's just so profoundly beautiful. Anyone who loves gorgeous writing should just lap up Garth Greenwell. But last night I did watch a movie on, I believe it was Netflix maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, it's a film in nine, that was released in 1985. And every time I see a film made in 1985, I think, God, why wasn't I n- not like a teenager in the 80s? It just, it seemed like such a great time. Um, the film is called just one of the boys uh, and it's a story about a, a young girl who is kind of like really popular she's an I would say kind of alpha woman um, in her high school but mm-hmm. she um, she wants to be a journalist and a reporter and so she submits her article to a competition and she's so confident that she'll get the the she'll win the competition but then she doesn't win it and she believes it's because she's a woman. And she's quite pretty, and so no one takes her seriously. So it's so what she does, similar to Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this, uh, but what she decides to do is, um, she decides to transform her appearance so that she looks like a boy, and the transformation is like so amazing. Like she looks so hot. Like she's like the per- the male version of Harry. What's her name? Harriet. Terry. Terry Griffith is the name of this character. And the male character of Terry is, like, the perfect... The, it's just the guy I would have been head over heels for in high school. Uh-huh. Just, like, very pretty face. I like... Mm-hmm. I have a thing for pretty boys. And so the story is about her and her... Um, her journey. Yeah, her journey into, like, being in a... I mean... Being I'm in sure a, a male-dominant of... industry. No, 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 no. It's all set in high school. Okay. Um, But, uh, like, I haven't read... I'm sure there's a lot of... um transgender people who have written so many articles i'm sure someone has written articles about how this was superseded a lot of conversations about what we're having today about transgender and issues and mm-hmm. you know it, it was made in the mid 80s mm-hmm. uh it was such a good film i loved it so much i just i i was i wanted to see it because when i read the synopsis it appealed to me because I've always wanted to be a boy. Like, mm-hmm. not as in, like, I want to change my gender, but, like, I've always been... I've always thought it would be fantastic if I could live in the side, a body of a man for, like, a couple of days or a month mm-hmm. or a year. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I just want to know what it's like to have so much power, you know? And But, like, mind you, it has to be a specific type of body. Like, if I lived in a... If I, you know, if I lived in a male body that was short... I don't think I would be privy to a lot of the privileges that a typical man would be privy to, you know. Or if I was Asian, mm-hmm. or if I was black, you know, there are different different um, privileges I would be either able to access or not be able to access. But I get yeah. So I guess what I mean when I say I would love to know what it feels like to be a man, I mean specifically a tall, white, straight guy. Okay. That would just be like incredible. I just think that would be fucking incredible. To live inside that body for a couple of days to see how different I would be taken, like, I would be perceived by other people, you know? Mm, so you're still converted to a very, uh, I don't know if the word superficial is appropriate. It's not superficial. It's a very superficial. standard form of, 
Is it very standard form of power? It's it's not superficial because I want the kind of power where I know most, like ninety nine percent of the world sees as mm-hmm. gives power to those kind of men. You know, it's not my choice. As in, like I didn't decide that taller men get paid more on average. It's just like our perception. That's just how the way the world. Though how the how the society has been constructed. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so my choice is from the choice of fitting in to standards and terms set by other people. Okay, and what do you yeah. gain from it? Do you think that from having that kind of power, what? How would you utilize that when you're if you're in that kind of body of what you desire to be? Oh right, I think.、Um, would you、I、follow would... the normal social norms? Or would you do something different? I mean, when I say I want to be a man, I mean like for a couple of days or a couple of months, and also、um, the timing is up to me as well. You know, like some I might want to be a man for like twelve days in a whole year, and those twelve days can be segregated to different intervals of the year. You know, like and and I don't want to remain a man. Like I'm happy. I love the body that I'm in,、mm-hmm. but I just I want to know what it's like to be in a body of a man and to have conversations where I'm only privy to the discussions that men go into only because there are no women around. I feel like there are parts of the male identity that is、uh, that is covered up or sh- or、uh, obscured when when there is at least like when there's one woman in. In the room, you know,、um, and I just I want to know what it's like to have my ideas taken seriously and not questioned. Okay. Yeah. But your idea, you you've been you've been quite vocal about what you do and your ideas. I think people are starting to take very serious about your <laughs> your thoughts because you're becoming. Uh, quite popular in media sense, isn't it? I don't know. That's I can't judge that because I'm outside of my、mm-hmm. my experience, so I don't know. I also don't care.、Mm-hmm. I try and not care. Well, talk about、uh, Pretty Boys Face.、Uh, I've just picked up one of the Korean、um, drama that a lot of people has been talking about in the Asian social group.、Uh, it's on Netflix. It's called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. So it's censoring. On the narrative of mental health, I watched the first episode because so many、mm. people are raving about it.、Mm. I don't know if I will want to continue to watch it for the sake of it. It's sitting about beauty. It feels like it, it feels like it's just like any other normal, typical Korean dramas that they have selected the most perfect looking person. To be、yeah. on screen, and there's they've just followed the very standard body type, face type of actor and actress to portray、um, the topic around mental illness. Right, that's、yeah. not being very、um, innovative, is it? No, it's not. I don't think so. I mean, apart from they have progressive. I mean, yeah, apart from they have the one of the character that is he is. How should I? I don't know the actual term. He he's an adult, but he's got the mentality of a very young child. Right, like、uh, Robin Williams in that movie. Robin Williams in which movie? 
I don't know. There's a movie where Robin Williams like grows old really quickly. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't seen that one, but uh, oh, Rain Man, Rain Rain Man, Tom Cruise and um Dustin Hoffman. Oh. So you have a uh, kind of a bit like autistic, but the adult male he does things like what a six year old child will be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, lying on floor, drawing and repeating yeah. sentences, repeating sentences of of what he hear from the TV program. And he hides in the cupboard when he's like sad or crying. Aesthetic setting of the whole whole drama just makes it's overly romanticized. I feel like. Well, that's the whole nature of、uh, K-pop kind of soap operas, right? Yeah. I have never actually watched any of them. I mean, they're big in Taiwan as well and yeah, China. Yeah, I think it's going very big in Western cultures as well. Right,、yeah. because it's like you say, it's like. Everyone is generic and good-looking. I feel like they're the equivalent of our home and away or neighbors,、oh, which, like,、right. I am proud to say, I, like, not that I actually ever intended this to be the case, but I have never sat through a whole episode of Neighbors or Home and Away because I just cannot stand the bad storytelling and the bad acting. Just everything <laughs> about it is like eating hungry jacks. Mm-hmm. That's what Australian television is like,、yeah. at least commercial television. God, oh my! We grew up listening to the theme music just before that. Neighbors, <laughs> everybody, everybody good. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah. What's the home and away one?、Uh, couldn't come into my mind now. Doesn't come into my mind. Hold me in your arms. Don't let me go. I wanna <laughs> stay forever. Oh my god! I'm so embarrassed. I know that. How on earth do I know that? Because our parents、sucks. always have the TV on. Just I、TV、think that is yeah. I think that's those two programs is either before or after the news. Oh, dinner. Oh, yeah. dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah.、So、Around dinner time. Yeah. Heard those things on. Yeah, it's so funny. It's really funny that I'm not attracted to Asian pretty boys, but I'm tra- attracted to white pretty boys. That's、mm. really effed up. No, it's not. Oh, obviously, yeah, it's totally racist. No, <laughs> it's totally racist. Let's not get into that. We've already discussed、yeah. it in the past. Okay, so we are going to talk about one of the films that you watched. Yeah, you watched first, and you told me. I watched first, and I told you to watch、yeah. it. <laughs> Before that, you start talking about it. I kind of skip、yeah. a couple of parts. <laughs> Oh my god! Why? I, I know what's gonna happen,、no. but I kind of like you know. There's a fast forward function in Netflix, yeah, where、course. you jump ten seconds or fifteen seconds or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I kind of pressed that a couple of times because I, I know what's gonna happen, and I don't know whether or not I want to watch it. So I kind of press. Okay, so the film is called Work It on Netflix, and ah.、Uh, You understand why Helen would do that because there's actually very long sequences of dance,、mm-hmm. um, which I love. And I clicked on this and I wanted to watch it because I love、um, any movie about teenagers. I just think,、um, I just think, like it's such an interesting part. Like any any story about a young person is interesting, and also everything always works out in the end. So I like it's kind of like that rom com. Uh, uh, Algorithm that always works for me.、Uh, so anyway, the story of Work It is、um, is this girl called Quinn. She's played by Sabrina Carpenter, who's apparently a Disney superstar. Don't know. I looked her up afterwards, but she's like super, apparently famous. I've never seen her.、Uh, 
Um, so she is a senior at Woodford High. It's a, a high school that is famous for having a tremendous dance group and that keeps winning state championships. So Quinn really wants to get into Duke University because um, her father went there and her father was dead. So she wants to honour him some way by going there. Um, she also lives somewhere near Duke, which is a university in North Carolina. Um, in the movie, she, t she says that it's the Harvard of the South. I didn't know that. Um, so when she goes for her interview with the admissions officer, the admissions officer tells her that she's pretty dull on paper. She plays the cello, she volunteers at the nursing home, she co-chairs social justice groups in her high school. She's basically like super bland. The admissions officer is played by Michelle Batu, who is like, love her. I love her so yeah. much. She has the most beautiful face. So kind, such a kind face. I know, she's in the mm. First Wives Club. The first time I saw her was as, uh, uh, what's her name? Ali Wong's assistant in Maybe Baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I love her face because it's very freckly and she has really big curly hair. She just looks approachable. She looks so friendly. I love yeah. her, yeah. She also made a cameo in the Netflix movie Someone Great, which is a shit movie. Don't waste your time on that. I didn't even finish watching it. Um, she, I think she <laughs> deserves her to be a star of her own show. She's just yeah, so great. Definitely. Yeah, um, so her. Quinn, she decides to be, in order to be more interesting, she also, she kind of falls into this lie. She lies to Michelle Batu's character, the admissions officer, that she's a dancer in the group. Mm -hmm. in the group called Thunderbirds, which is the school group, school dance group. And so um, she decides to enlist her best friend Jazz, who is black, to help her become a better dancer. Oh, did, you mention, did you mention Queen is white? Or is that not important? Oh, well, I made a faux pas there because, yeah, I didn't say that and I should have. Thank you for pulling me up uh -huh. on that. Seriously. <laughs> um, I kind of assumed when I said work it that... People might have seen advertisements for okay. for it on Netflix, but mm -hmm. I shouldn't have assumed that. Yeah, no, Quinn is white. Also, isn't that a pretty, pretty white name? I don't know. Anyway, um, so her best friend is black, Jazz. Her name is Jazz, and she is a star dancer in the school dance group. Like, she's really, really good. The head of the dance team um, is played by Keenan Lunsdale, um, who is apparently very famous. Like, when I talked to Billy about this, Billy was like, oh, he's very famous. Didn't know that. So Keenan oh, is uh -huh. the school... I feel old. <laughs> yeah. No, Keenan is the school bully. Um, and they call him Juilliard because he wants to get into Juilliard. But his name is actually mm -hmm. Isaiah. And Keenan is, if you don't know, he's black. Um, I think he's Australian as well. Maybe, oh, yeah. okay. I should have looked cool. that up. Anyway, have to yeah. look up. Yep. I'm pretty sure he is Australian. So this character of Juilliard um, is a school bully and he's, like I said, the head of the dance team and he's really just really uptight, ridiculous gay character that we've seen over and over again. It's as though gay men can only be this one particular type, which I found really annoying. Um, mm. And it's also funny that Keenan in real life is 28. So, like, you have adult people playing teenage <laughs> characters, which is not atypical. Um, I think a lot of instances like i think it's very prevalent in it's very prevalent yeah the, yeah yeah there are yeah. a lot of older people playing teenage characters and so quinn gets dancing practice and she auditions to be on the team but then she sucks real bad on the day and so she decides to pull her best friend out of the team so they can start her own team 
and what they do is they get to, they get to they decide to get the misfits. I'm using quotation marks here. It's so insulting. <laughs> it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about that when you finish. Yeah. So they get um a dorky white nerd. There's a Latino soccer player. There's a goth Asian. There's an Indian girl who can do Bollywood moves. So like immediately we establish that there's this white central character of Quinn and everyone around her, the bull, the school bully, ensemble that she surrounds herself with, her best friend, all people of colour are used to prop up Quinn's ambitions. And then one more thing before I, before I ask you for your opinion on this. Um, one more person of colour, of course, we need a romantic interest. And enter uh, the choreographer, who's played by Jordan Fisher, who, for all you fans of To All The Boys I've Ever Loved, is played um, by Jordan... Did I already say that? Jordan Fisher, yeah. Who um, played John Ambrose in um, part two of the To All The Boys I've Ever Loved. And he plays the beta male. In, in the To All The Boys I've Ever Loved, he plays the beta male to Noah Centario's alpha male. Um, I believe that, like, I found this really insulting that they put him, another black character, in the role of the a romantic interest because implicitly we're saying the movie makers want us to kind of focus on the white woman and not have her lose any power to a more dominant man. Like, if they chose a white man, then that would have taken away her power. Like, there's this fucked upness to that power and, like, you know, she needs to have a beta male just to be the right amount of pal- palatability for us. Mm-hmm. So he's black. Um, like I said, Jordan Fisher is black. So he's not, like, too masculine. He's not too over overbearing to her story mm-hmm. and her position yep. as the central m- character. Yeah, what do you think? Um, what you told me about it, I'm not really, I'm not exactly into dance movies. But when you mentioned this, I was I was asking you whether or not it was uh, similar to Central Stage. Yeah, Center Stage. Sorry. Oh, Center Stage. And then I kind of went into watching this movie without any expectations because I didn't want to watch the trailer, and you were raving about it and things like that. And then, okay. Okay. Then I thought that when I start watching it, I think ten minutes into the movies, because I have the mentality of a late thirty-year-old woman, and watching a teenage movie, I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna look at it from the perspective of a p- people of color, and also a perspective of like a mum, and also I'm gonna think how and why the Hollywood or Netflix production wants to make this kind of movie what kind of audience are they trying mm-hmm. to appeal to? And I feel like it's still trying to appeal to a, a, the majority of like white background people because like you said, that it has been, the whole movie is centering on a white female character. Like the first 10 minutes when the Queen was asking her friend to ditch her position, like the top position in the prestigious dance group of yeah. the school, to join her I was just thinking geez you're freaking taking advantage of a colored person to fucking build up your own dream like it's actually a lie that you build up a a lie sorry it was not the truth that she was telling the admission officer that she was involved in the dance group and then she had to oh right yeah and she wasn't admitted to like the dance group because she was sucked she sucked in dance yeah, she was really bad, and she just thought that, okay, I'm just going to go on and make up my own group. Yeah, so she lies to a black woman, by the way. Like, Michelle, for those of you who don't know, Michelle Batu is a black woman. And she had to, like, forcefully pull her friend out of 
a position that her friend already built up, which is、mm. like her friend's a black person, taking advantage of her friend teaching her how to dance. Yeah, yeah, and also taking advantage of another black character, which is the romantic.、Um, What do you call it?、Uh, a romantic, romantic interest. Jake Taylor. By the、yeah. way, they name him Jake Taylor in the film. I mean,、it's、that like, is such an alpha male gen- name. Generic. It's such a white、yeah. alf, white alpha male name. Jake、mm-hmm. Taylor. Oh my god. And also, they have to make that romantic like, interest character have a certain physical injury. Remember that because、oh, he、yeah. couldn't dance because、yes. he's got a knee injury, and then the、yeah. only thing that he can do is be a Choreograph- like、choreography、yeah. and complement this white female character yeah, to build yeah. her to the、yeah. top. It is、yeah. still feel. I still feel. It feels like to me. Okay, I'm not a black woman, but as a woman of color, I feel like yeah, we've been used as a stepping stone for the yeah, white character、totally. to、yeah. reach her potential. And of course,、exactly. the movie ends with ah、oh, the group wins, and then you know everyone's happy, and she's gonna get admitted or possibly be admitted to a better university or something like that. NYU? No, that's not. It's just in New York. That's all. It's not better than yeah, Duke. Yeah, New York. Yeah, I I don't know what the other like. I don't know what other kids, you know, the childrens or the the actual teenagers who are watching this film when they watch it, what do they think of it? Because when we were watching、uh, a teenage film when we were at that age, that we don't, we literally yeah, don't think exactly, like that. Exactly, like we we, we just see、yeah. that. Oh, okay, yeah, that white person is the、yeah. central. We just been we been constructed to believe that is. How maybe the world、yeah. should operate, and how we yeah, should operate. Yeah, exactly. That we should always、um, genuflect ourselves, like go down on our knees,、um, in order to always prop up the white person in our lives. That's what I mean by no. This is why I want to talk about things like this, like the insidious ways in which our culture, you know, our films and our books teach us racism,、mm-hmm. teach us to prioritize、mm-hmm. one coloured. Person over someone else, well, sorry, one yeah, group of people、yeah. over another person, and you've explained that so、yeah. well. And you know, if if you're a black person and you see that film where every single character around Quinn is used, are people of yeah, color? Is, are, are black people used to prop up her whatever her dream is? It's just so deeply insulting.、Mm-hmm. It's so deeply insulting. Yeah. Can I just say that Jordan Fisher, the guy who plays Jake Taylor, is actually like really, really hot. For all you guys who don't know that, he's really hot. He's just not hot in the way Noah Centurio、mm-hmm. is hot. Like Noah Centurio is really tall. He's got like he he has like a very generic GQ men's health kind of body. Whereas Noah, as whereas、uh, Jordan Fisher is kind of like very slim and a bit shorter, but he's still like、mm-hmm. his face is still gorgeous. Yeah, and also the 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 group that she recruits f- for her dance group. I I when I was watching that part, I was just thinking, this is such a typical like nineties、yeah. and eighties type kind of teenage film that, in order to win, you have to gather a group of misfit、yeah. kids that have very strange talents, but it has they haven't been recognized、yeah. by the school or the whole community.、Yeah. And then you have to put them in spotlight. Where has that ever happened in real <laughs> life? You know,、yeah. I don't see a group of Asian goth, a nerdy white kid. I've never met an Asian goth. 
Yeah, and and who else? Like a, a Indian girl. Like you, and I, I feel like they purposely have to put in like the ethnicity into this yeah, group, exactly, to make it look like it's interesting and to yeah. show. I don't know to maybe to sh- appeal to the audience, saying that. Yeah, we put in, you know, we're having yeah. a diversified yeah, exactly. <laughs> group here. It's it's the most reductive way to deflect any p- potential for them to say, hey, why are there no people of colour characters in this movie? Because now Hollywood can't do that. They get questioned. Yeah, that's why you have series like Normal People, you have series like The Great, you have movies like David Copperfield, the latest, re- the latest in- in- iteration of that, where people of colour are put in on the side in order to deflect potential backlash, but they're done in a very extremely, extremely insulting way. It's like, mm-hmm. so I talked to Billy about this on, you know how I told you Billy and I went to Brookvale on the weekend? Yeah, yep, so yep. we spoke about this the whole day. So these, yeah, these are like thoughts that Billy, mostly Billy had told me. So basically he said that platforming whiteness in this deliberate way is very a very tokenistic way of inclusion and he said oh yeah of course it's like erasing our lived realities so the gesture of erasure is done by including people of color but it's actually a form of exclusion like um mm-hmm. it's just like yeah. if you think about the goth the asian goth in work it she has literally one line oh yeah yeah she has one line yeah and it also amplified how they have been ex- excluded from their school community. That's yeah. why they've been put in as a misfit. Yeah. They've been considered yeah. as a misfit and she has to pick on those. Did, do you see any other white characters apart her, from her mother in the film? Exactly. No. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's just so insulting because there's no other white characters that is considered as flawed you know you like oh right um, yeah yeah all the like how i see that the movie has portrayed in any other in all of the um people of color characters in the movie is that this they've got some kind of flawness yeah. i mean there's that white <laughs> talky kid with glasses oh yeah and also there's um there's also juilliard's posse group you know the two girls who are like always on his side Oh yeah, yeah. I think they're white. Yeah, I've seen. I think at the very beginning when they were doing the dance off, they were a, an Asian girl. Yeah, yeah, and she doesn't say anything. Of course, she doesn't say anything. She was holding his jacket. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was so insulting. We also saw that in Demolition Man. Remember, there's an Asian character on the back, yep. just holding to be a vase. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Helen and I go on about this thing because a lot of Asian women, they see themselves on the stage and. They see themselves on on the big screen, and this is the only thing that they see, like a, a speechless Asian person on the background holding the dominant male's, like, jacket. Like, this has really big impact for young women. Like, young women, mm-hmm. young Asian women who don't yet know how to see things critically. That's why mm-hmm. Helen and I go on about representation and the really insultingly reductive ways in which Hollywood continues to perpetuate perpetuate these forms yeah. of racism. And I was just thinking that what other films do I remember seeing? What's the, what's that movie Pitch called? Pitch Perfect. That's right, Pitch Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I was got I've got that in my notes as well in front of me. 
another where the Asian is like fucking weird. Yeah, isn't and, she? And she's isn't got there an the, like, Asian a tiny voice. Who's... She's got I know. like a tiny, oh, tiny voice. God, can I say there are other shows that kind of ride on this thing like Love Life. Stan's love life with Anna Kendrick is also one where everyone around her, her love interest, her best friends are people of colour and yet, you know, we still mm. only care about Anna Kendrick as the white dominant female character. The Good Place is another one where Kristen Bell is, like, propped up by a group of ensemble people of colour. Oh, yeah. Shrill. Shrill is yeah. another one. You know, white woman... Yeah at the center and all her friends are black and oh just yeah i haven't seen the great but billy told me that the great is also where like where they have token indian characters in there which was like weird because it's in the the movie movie the story set in russia so like why would you have a random indian people in russia (laughs) yeah Yeah. i feel like it hasn't progressed enough i mean there will be people saying that oh why don't you just go and watch you know, Asian dramas or Asian movies that's... No, I don't want to... Centering, you know, <laughs> Asian characters. But we as Asian diasporas in Western countries, I think our representation out there is not enough. I think there was an argument earlier this week on Twitter about there was a news.com article commenting how mm. limited or lack of diversity in our Australian media... And then Cal, what's his name? Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Stefanovic. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I don't even want to say his name. Yeah, and he he was saying that oh, why isn't diverse something like why isn't diversified enough? You know, I'm like Serbian or some kind of Eastern nation <laughs> oh <my laughs> mix. God. Yeah. God, that guy. I don't even want to. I I I wrote some very violent things about Carl Stefanovic to Billy and then I like erased it all because I was like, uh, I don't I don't think I want to send this out to the ether in case, you know, I just I just don't think it's good, but don't like that guy. Yeah. Not, not at have all. Have nothing to say about him. Not don't have yeah. nothing to say about Carl Stefanovic. Yeah, so there there is another Asian person in the film Work It and it's Chris Chu, who is the A V guy who replaces her. So at the beginning, Quinn. Oh, that's um, right. (laughs) Yeah, Quinn is like the AV person who is like in the first performance that we are given at the beginning of the film. Thunderbirds are doing their dance on stage, and then she starts dancing herself in the AV room, and then she knocks over her coffee, f's up the control ball, control panels. Yeah, and then so she's fired from her job, and then Chris Chu, an Asian dude, hired, and we yeah, and we (laughs) see Chris Chu at the end sometime and he's like this short little nerdy looking Asian who has his arms crossed and is like looking very grouchy <laughs> at um at our main female character and it's just like seriously are we still in the 80s are we still having like 16 candle representation of an Asian dude mm-hmm. it's disgusting did he even have a line did he even got a line he didn't even say anything he just went like yeah yeah he just had his arms folded and shook his head and gave Quinn a nasty look it was awful yeah just so insulting yeah like to all those filmmakers out there yeah. if you're white seriously you got to consider you want representations but i don't see representations as when you're still propping up these stereotypes like exactly yeah stereotype that you yeah 
portraying in the film. It's gross. Yeah. 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 It's, there's nothing new. Yeah. It's not innovative. It's not progressive. Exactly. It's, it's, it's still, it feels it's still, it's like in the 90s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said before, all the people in her group, in her ensemble, by the way, they call the ensemble TBD to be determined, which is so insulting. It's like, oh, they don't, they're not even worthy of a name. Like she even she even posits at one stage to call it like the Quinn group or Quinn jazz or something like that. Well, it's all about her. Sort of some any any part of uh, those the aspects of the misfits like um, barring I guess the Asian goth because I think when you first think of goth you don't think Asian. But with the whole uh, the Indian woman, she's like her thing is about her Indianness, mm-hmm. and then the the uh, Latino Hispanic guy. Like they, they or South Af- South American guy, like he rests on this trope that white people have that those kind of guys are the best soccer players. You know, it's all like leaning on their race. Yeah, that's what I mean by reductive. That's what I mean by very stereotypical. Like you said, like any filmmakers out there, like stop leaning on these stereotypes. It's so insulting. And I find um what what you and I are saying here is extremely um insulting is. The fact that we have this white woman who is very much entering, like um, infiltrating a space that has historically been given to marginalized people. Like the dance that she does is very like, it's a big thing with black communities. And so she's trying to like infiltrate and then mirror how to dance like in that, in a way that's like politically entrenched in so many historically politically um, charged mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. concepts that she doesn't understand yeah. because she's white, you know? So she gets, like, her best friend who's black to help her. She she is, like, trying to beat the black guy who's, like, the best dancer in the state. And then she has a black boyfriend choreographer who's trying to teach her how to dance. It's very much like the movie from 2001, Save the Last Dance, mm-hmm. with Julia Stiles and Sean Patrick something or other. Oh, my God, I better not screw this up. Um, uh, because Billy, I told... Save the Last Dance. Google I'm it. Just quick, gonna quick. <laughs> Google it, yeah. So um, I told Billy about this, and he said it was like Sean Patrick Thomas, um, who played Derek in um, Save the Last Dance, who, which I'm sure all of you have seen. But it's very much the same story. Like a white woman, played by Julia Stiles, is trying to get into Juilliard by dancing. She's a ballerina. Then her mum is killed. And then she has to move in with her dad, who lives in Chicago. And then she ends up going to a school that's like 99% black. And then Sean Patrick Thomas teaches her how to dance like mm-hmm. the, in the black style. It's like, it's so insulting. Mm. It's so insulting. And also, I didn't know this, but Kerry Washington is in the film. Did you know that? That's such a long film. It's like almost 20 years ago. So I know, yeah. But yet we still have the same trope of a white woman trying to infiltrate black culture and then mirroring black culture for her for her own advantage, you know? Um, I don't want to excuse of whatever that the um, Save the Last Dance, the intention was, but I think it's slightly better because you started with a character that's already know how to dance. But whereas, you yeah. know, it's... Yeah, good, whereas good worker, like she's coming from like mm. a totally different background. She's like a very straight A academic white female that she ticks all the boxes. For like a um, yeah, sensible. <laughs> I shouldn't use the word here. Sensible Catholic. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> private school yeah oh, anyway right. no i shouldn't yeah, i shouldn't, yeah, yeah. shouldn't make that judgment anyway she's just she she looks like she's a girl who ticked all the boxes that she should supposed to go into a perfect college and then she has been built up to that momentum because of what her mom had expectations of her to do as well then and then she mm. built up this huge lie about that she can dance using she just practically used people around her and who happens to be people of color wow yeah, yeah in the yeah. film <laughs> yeah you're so right yeah exactly the audacity of that is quite extraordinary isn't it i i find that audacity really insulting just so listeners understand why i have this it's it's the problem of casting is where we're really mm-hmm. yeah. criticizing hollywood um, it's casting and it's story writing, it's character development. And what we're doing here by analysing Work It in this way is really, like you say, um, really basically confronting very bluntly what the film is doing mm-hmm. and what the character is doing. You know, like you said, Quinn is just using people around her mm-hmm. Um and I just found it, I find, I find it so startling that there are quite a number of articles out there that are celebrating the diversity in, in this movie. But it's like, uh, what? What the fuck? People no. got to understand. Did you look up whether or not the director and the producer are white? Or are they... I know Alicia Keys, isn't it? I, I know that they're women. I know that they're women. Yeah, Alicia Keys yeah, is one kind of the of producers, disappointing. I think. But then again, she's like a person up there with the power yeah. with the white people so yeah you never know exactly and and yeah and billy made an excellent point when i was telling him about how often we praise women ceos mm-hmm. but i like we praise women ceos as though like they're this the apex of the feminist movement you know great example but like i said i actually often don't find anything inspirational about them because they've just simply touted the norms Mm -hmm. of the patriarchy and he said yeah it's the same with like gay people like gay people who are Mm -hmm. well known in the mainstream media are just simply people who have complied you know they're just very complicit they're very complicit in the ways that the patriarchal Mm -hmm. order is structured and they've like hidden their alternative parts Mm -hmm. of themselves in order to you know be amongst the spaces of heteronormativity you know and I was like, yes, that's it. Complicity. Yeah. That's it. Also, the uh, director of Work It is Laura Turusso, who is white passing. I'm just going to say she's white passing, which means that she looks mm-hmm. white. But that surname sounds mm-hmm. a bit Italian. Mm-hmm. The next topic we'll be talking about is benevolent sexism. But I want to use the word benevolent here to talk about racism as well. I think there's a good intention of what the white okay. people are trying to do to bring representation but the way that they're doing it, it's like appropriating yeah. other culture. And then it feels like colonization. Seriously. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Like when I say, when I said Quinn was infiltrating black culture and Julia Stiles' character, infiltration. Even yeah. in the film, like Quinn's asking her black friend Jazz, like, oh, if you're in the situation, I'll do it for you, right? You know, it's like if yeah. you can't. And she had to intentionally bring up that her friends got bad grades. I know. It's like trying to amplify that she's not academically well. That's so insulting. Yeah, and then she would help her if she's in the same situation. 
Well, which yeah. I don't, honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you really think yeah. that she will help? Film casting is very important. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That's my end game. <laughs> really have to think about it, yeah. Especially when you're presenting it to the whole world. It's not like you're having a market only in for white people. You're showing that for the whole... It's globally, you know, Netflix. I also think uh, that's why I, 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 I thought when Crazy Rich Asians came out, I thought that I did not celebrate at all. Because look, it's two years on from now, the, the, the mm. fact of the movie coming out. <laughs> and what has changed? Nothing, absolutely nothing for Asian representation, you know? Yeah. You have one you film. Aquaf- you, you don't see Aquafina or Constance Wu or Henry Golding, like... Getting 10 film deals a day, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't see Henry Golding as the next Bond. You don't see, you know, Constance Wu winning an Academy Award. Not that they're only the, the not that I'm saying that that is the only metric of development or progress, but like I, not, seriously, none of the actors we remember, nothing happened. This is how you measure progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Progress can only be measured through time. That's why I never celebrate something when something big happens because it's like you wait and see. Yeah, wait, wait and, and see, see. exactly. Yeah. Although if Kamala Harris does become president one day, I will literally sob for yeah, hours yeah. on end. That's right, yeah. The Benevolent Sexism, which is one of the comics that is done by a French comic artist, Emma. Uh, if you have seen her, oh, yeah, Emma. her work in The Guardians before, that she had a work about mental load. Oh yeah, emotional. Oh yeah, emotional, emotional burden. burden, mental load. Labor. That's right. Emotional labor. Yeah, about how women have to do more thinking in regards how the world, the family, and her workplace runs. And her yeah. latest uh, work is about uh, benevolent sexism. Explain to us what that is. She's got a couple of, of pictures that shows her her experience in workplace. Um, how the society and also the patriarchy system created the things that men does for women and how they treat them at workplace that it looks like it's a good thing but deep down it's actually quite sexist yeah give us an example one thing is that when a woman is hired for her interpersonal skills or like someone who made a comment for example Mm. oh Finally, we have a woman in our department that will brighten us up a little bit or certain things that the woman has been doing. For example, I don't know about other people, but I know that I've gone through a couple of work that I've just seen women that usually will be handling events like bake sales or arranging catering for social events or booking restaurants, usually mm. those kind of works that will go down to the woman mm. in Emma's work yep. that she explains yep. that yep. it's actually quite sexist of how men do certain things like they think it's actually complimenting but it's actually there's a trade-off and also cost-benefit model of what men does you know sometimes I think back in the old days that people can consider those kind of like carrying certain things for women or opening doors for them as a chauvin- yeah, chauvinistic behavior but is that a, like a negative or a positive yeah, trait nowadays let's say at the workplace they will approach the woman saying that, oh, do you need to, do you need me to set up your computer? Or do you have problems with this kind of code? Or do you have issues with this kind of computer yeah. program? I can help you out. 
they want to help out, but they don't want to help out, help out.、Yeah. As in, they wouldn't do that to a male colleague because approaching a woman、uh, with a technical issue without her having asked is making an, an assumption about her her ability. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I found that it's it's quite disrespectful for a lot of women. Now, I think maybe some women still enjoys that kind of attention. When I start going out with Sean, there's one thing that we found really interesting is that this is almost twenty years ago. I don't know if it still happened with young people. Yeah. When we see a couple on street, usually it will be Asians, and the guy、yeah. will be carrying the handbag. The girl, yeah, the handbag. I love that. I really love really? that. Really? I've never seen a white man carry the handbag of his girlfriend, but I've seen. Asian men carry the handbag of a girlfriend. But when I was young, I thought I initially thought that was a nice and sweet thing, but then found that it's really strange and silly as I grew older, because carrying a handbag is something that is take it takes such it takes so small effort to do it. It's not like he's your slave. And I feel like、yeah. I don't know. It just something doesn't look look right. That's so strange. <laughs> okay, I don't care about the optics of it, but、um, I I would personally just want my to carry my own handbag because、um, it's just convenient. When I need my own stuff, I don't have to like bother my partner about、mm. it. You know, that's all. It's just a matter of convenience and practicality. But、um, just to speak about benevolent,、um, I've I don't know. I, I'm sure I've I have for sure experienced benevolent ra-、uh, sexism, but I've also experienced I think more so benevolent mm-hmm, racism. Mm-hmm. Like any time I enter a space, people will always say, "Oh, you're Asian. You must、mm-hmm. be good at math." Or like made some comment about me and math just because I have an Asian face. I find that really irritating. Yeah, I think it happens a lot. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of women, experience when they go into the workforce, they have comments made by men about like, "Oh, we need a woman to soften up this place." Yeah, yeah. You know, which it's like what men can't be tender, men can't be soft. Yeah, it's like deepening the groove of gender roles and gender construction. That's the Access point of what we're talking about. This idea of benevolent、um, sexism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not about intention. You know, I think the guys don't actually realize what they're saying is sexist.、Mm-hmm. They just want to be nice and complimentary. But what they're doing really is something that they don't realize, which is you know, really how the patriarchy works. It's invisible、mm-hmm. because you know? it's very it's it's inherited. It's inherited throughout generations and. It's、yeah. socially constructed. You don't bond with it. You know, you are taught to behave like that. Yeah, exactly. The quote from her artwork about、um, benevolent sexism. <clears throat> it says here, benevolent sexism is all about treating women like fragile little creatures that must be protected. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Like I, I, I guess I have said what I, I, I agree with that. Like it's treating a woman and complimenting her on. Assumptions made about what it means to be a woman, and I don't want anyone to tell、mm-hmm. me what、yeah. it means to be a woman. You know, don't make any assumptions. Thank you very much. That's right. That's right. It it also means that it it makes a lot of assumptions about the the thinking that the women are being the the women are incompetent of doing certain things. That's why they have to step in and show the woman. But I, eventually, I think there's always a trade-off. I feel like there's men always only do this kind of things for a woman. Really? They、That's、want something reta- in return. What sex?、Mm. 
Or someone's good opinion, basically. You never know. Yeah, the guy wants that cute, attractive co-worker's yeah. Uh, yeah. good opinion or something. So it goes back to what I said before, that I want to be a man. That's what I mean. I don't want to be treated differently. Mm. I don't want to be tiptoed around, you know? Just treat me like a man. Mm. Talk to mm. me like a 60-year-old man. You know, if I go into a, um editorial meeting with a guy who's, like, in his 50s, I don't want you to treat me like... Sometimes I dress in a way that makes me look like I'm in my 20s. Like, a, and, you know, I, I'm, mm. I don't have the most intelligent face, maybe. I don't know. But I just... Can, can you just take me and talk to me like I'm a 50, you know, 60-year-old man? Treat me seriously. That's what I want. That's why I want to be a guy for a day. I want to know what it's like just to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It is true that people often have a mask when... And they have different yeah. attitudes when they're talking to different people. And when you are speaking to a person mm. that you have a biased already, whether or not it's a female or a person of color, yeah, exactly. I think that changes yeah. the language yeah. a lot, and also it's often like making the other person subordinate as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially from yeah. a white person yeah, perspective. Yeah. Every because every relationship, no matter what, the relationship you have with your neighbor, the relationship you have with your sister, your partner, your father, your friend your taxi driver, like all of those have power dynamics. Whether or not you want to say, whether or not you want to confront that or not, there's a power dynamic there. I'm just going to share one of my experience, a conversation with my neighbor. I, I think that you're never going to listen to our podcast. That's what I'm going to share. Actually, there are two conversations. The first one is the one that I probably told you about like months ago when COVID first hit that uh, one of my neighbor assumed that I was from China because I speak Chinese. The other neighbor, this is this conversation was like last year. We were talking about our septic t- system in the backyard. Your what? That needs to be upgraded. The septic uh, tank system that needs to be fixed and all that. And I don't know, during our conversation, for some reason, that he, he says something like, he was introducing himself because he just moved up to the coast. And then he just say, oh, I graduated from Kin, as in the Kin school. Who the fuck cares, mate? Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, okay, well, why are you telling me this? I don't need to know. <laughs> you should have said, uh, I went to NYU, bitch. <laughs> just kidding. I feel like I don't tell you where I graduated. Why do you have to put it into the <laughs> conversation? Well, he was flexing his muscles. Yeah, you're trying to put yourself in a position above me or yeah, something. Exactly. I don't care exactly. which school that you went to. You oh, know? that's so... Up- the way that you talk to me yeah. is how I'm going to respect yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. But you just lost that. all my respect. Yeah, I love that, Dorpe. I love that. Freaking love that so yeah. much. How old was he? <sighs> Mid-30s. Okay, so he was definitely trying to hit on you. Oh, yeah, and he also mentioned... No, 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 no. And he also mentioned something like his dad's like president of some kind of <laughs> sailboat club or something like that. <laughs> oh my goodness and I was just thinking okay I, I don't need a history of your family background and things like that we're so just trying weird. to arrange what's yeah. happening in the backyard so weird can I just say often when I go on dates like a couple of dates I've been on recently the guy just keeps talking <laughs> just, and like I used That's to think so I used to think it was really bad right because like often guys would talk about themselves but this one particular guy he mm. didn't talk about himself but he talked about stuff he knew and then I've had a few days to um to process this and I decided that's just as boring you know that's just as boring when a guy just relays facts that he's learned throughout his years 
knowledge. Mm. Knowledge is not knowledge is not interesting. You have to have like a actual conversation to yes. share critical Thank thinking. Thank you. Conversation. Why do men not know how to converse with women on like a way in a way that doesn't like doesn't have to be about like oh I want to to impress her so that I can get her into bed. Like why this is another thing like why I want to be a guy. I just want to have conversations without sex looming over us. You know? Mm-hmm, God. Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turn me into a guy. I want I really want Freaky Friday to happen to me. Like Freaky Friday me, please. There was a Twitter earlier this week about um it's a, it's about someone's conversation as well saying that oh, oh why do you have to ask uh which school I graduated from? It's like someone yeah. Uh, like it's like a conversational starter and yeah. i feel like a lot of conversation starters are so bland and it's it just doesn't go anywhere and people want to questions like that like which school that you went to or where do you live or where you're from like it's like putting someone into a position that i'm going to assume you as a yeah, specific putting... uh character Type, and I'm yeah, going to in your head yeah in my head and I'm going to yeah, continue that's right that's right and I'm going to continue the conversation from there I, I don't understand why yeah, can't people just I love that start a conversation like uh do you like chocolate you know do you like dogs and if you don't then you just like step away from the conversation <laughs> yeah well I am guilty I have to say um, up until a few years ago I was guilty of the school question I used to ask people where they went to school until this guy who went to St. Andrews pulled me up on it. And he was so lovely. Um, he was at a tampon party and he was like, great. He's a straight guy, white dude, super lovely. He's now married to his wife and he lives in New York. He works for Google. And he went to St. Andrews, which is a very fancy private school, boys' school in Sydney. And I asked him that. And he just did it so kindly. He wasn't a dick about it. He was just like, oh, it's interesting that I often get asked that. And I, I, I often want, don't want to talk about where I went to school mm-hmm. because it boxes me mm-hmm. and I was like oh yeah you're so right and so since then I've not asked people where they went to school but I do find that I still ask people where you live because like if you live across the bridge on the north side I won't talk to you <laughs> you're guilty of boxing people in yeah I'm still boxing people in actually yeah I had this conversation with another friend like when when whenever I find out someone lives on the other side of the bridge oh I know what happened I was at a picnic Mm-hmm. and someone asked me about a group of people I don't like, and then he said, this guy said, why? And then I just said, they live on the other side of the bridge, <laughs> and he's like, enough said, enough said. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. Also super discriminatory, and I don't actually mean that because, you know, my family live over the... Like, <laughs> yeah, mo- most of us live over Actually, here. yeah, all of you live on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, think about but it. But it's political. Come on. Yeah. It's political. Yeah. Where you live is political. Yeah, think about it. Conversational starters. It's not easy, but it's it's fun as well, I think. I think the best conversational starter for me is what are you reading? Yeah. I love asking people what they're yeah. reading. I like to ask people what have they watched recently. Yes. Yeah. You mean like movies? Movies or dramas. Or like, what did you have for lunch? <laughs> I just saw Asian. Like, what have you just? Is it? Yeah, I, I feel like. Oh, right. Yeah, it's really Asian, but it's also really Asian asking like how much, like what kind of job do you do and. Oh 
Oh God. Yeah, school, yeah. where you live, which suburb. Yeah, people just start judging. <laughs> Garth Greenwell talks about this, how on the dating app because I'm mm-hmm. currently on a dating app. Her with a girl, uh, the okay. which uh, is just meeting girls, and I'm very careful about what questions I ask. Because I don't want to come across as like someone who's boxing uh-huh. people, but like one of the first questions I do ask people are like, "Oh, what do you do for work?" Because I, because I feel like I do, in I do, I can't help but put people in boxes in that sense because I'm someone who takes her job very seriously, and like because I have the privilege to, I want to be around someone who actually does what they love. And if like you're an accountant oh, and you hate your really life hard. and your job and yeah. you found no meaning. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I'm very judgmental in that sense. But it's really hard. I think I feel like ninety percent of the population in the world are in the job that they don't like. <laughs> oh my god, I feel so <laughs> fucking privileged by saying that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah, I, I love my job so much. I just cannot. I can't. Like I'm one of those people. I feel like I'm one of those. Um, you know, have you seen brides, bridesmaids? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when Kristen Wiig goes to the party, the, the engagement party, and then she meets one of the bridal party girls and she's like, oh, he's my husband. He's my husband. And, and like, she kept mentioning her husband mm-hmm. and it's, like, pressing the wound down into Kristen Wiig, like, the fact that she doesn't have a partner oh, or a husband. Oh, yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I feel like when I say I love my job, it's like that. <laughs> it's like, I love my job and people are like, oh, God, Jesse, you're so annoying. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you said, like, most people don't like their jobs. And I like my... I'm lucky to have the job that I have. I'm so lucky. Yeah, and you have to acknowledge that. And I'm happy that you acknowledge that. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so we're going to wrap up. Anything else to add? Yeah. No? Okay. No, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I can't wait for... Oh, um, Kevin and I are seeing... And a couple of friends are seeing Tenant this week. Okay. Chris Nolan's movie. Is that on the yeah. cinema or... Yeah, okay. yeah, we're seeing it at the cinemas. Um, Chris Nolan, like Batman. Oh my oh, god! Okay. Inception. Amazing. I'm so excited. Oh my god! <laughs> so excited. Oh yeah. yeah, and I want to mention that uh, our volunteer group won a volunteering center for volunteering award this afternoon. So it's not actually oh god, I didn't congrats, do do much. Hell. You know, it's actually all the dogs are doing the therapy work. <laughs> I got it. Yay, Patty. Yeah, Patty and Jake. It's so funny. I just got a photo of uh, Jake doing the Zoom meeting with all the oh, other that's dogs. That's so cute. Yeah, and he's like sleeping oh and he's God. looking at the camera. He's like, "What the hell is going on? Why is this woman speaking?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's just so funny." Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's so funny. So thanks again to our listeners. So please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. Remember to give us a rating and review. You can find our updates on. Facebook and Instagram and just search Asian Bitches Down Under. We welcome discussions and feedbacks. So we'll chat to you next week. Bye. Thanks, Hell. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.